Welcome to the Pub Meeple Podcast with your hosts, Gary, Chuck, Just Brian, and Proper Brian. On episode 34, we talk about what's so good about multiplayer solitaire. So grab a brew, join us at the pub, and let's talk board games. All right, guys. Hey, we're all back. We're all back together. Uh, last time it was just uh, Proper Brian and I visiting with a couple friends. And now we've actually got all of us back together. It's good to see your faces again. Yeah, um, ready to talk some. Yeah, yeah, yay! Ready to talk some <laughs> uh, some board games, man. Uh, but as always, first, like let, let's jump into our brews. I'd like to know what you guys are drinking tonight. I am drinking at the suggestion of a friend of mine a Lynn Lugel's Oktoberfest. It's kind of uh, if you've never had an Oktoberfest, it'd probably be a good beginner. It's it's a lighter, Marsen. Tastes good though. I mean, it's not bad. And I, I really like those Marsen beers. I think. Um, we both like um, uh, Sam Adams, and then I think oh uh, yes, that's the yeah, best Sam one. Adams is great. And they have some others. Uh, our local brewery, um, Happy Slocum, actually has a cool Oktoberfest that's on shelves now. I'm actually drinking another Founders that one of our lesser um, let's talk about Founders, the dark, rich, and sexy porter. Um, it's, it's a delicious porter. I mean, it, it's dark and rich. I don't know about sexy, but you know, as in as much as a beer can be sexy, I, I guess it is. How about yourself, just Brian? I'm also going after an Oktoberfest. It's that time of year. Oh, yeah, you got to drink the Oktoberfest. Like, I feel like singing um, like it's the most Oktoberfest time. Uh, I'm having a Rar and Sons Oktoberfest, and I rate it somewhere between like Shinerbach Oktoberfest and maybe the um, the Pioneer Oktoberfest, okay. which I think is probably one of the better Oktoberfests. Yeah. But this is Rar and Son, so it's kind of in the middle. I think the best Oktoberfest – I've had, and I don't know if it's the beer or the experience or or just all of it, was under the radars Oktoberfest. That was delicious at the beer no. summit. Uh, I really feel like that that Marzen. Uh, he didn't call it. It was a Marzen beer, but I really feel like that was the uh, creme de la creme so far. That, uh, that one know. for me. That one, and then uh, Iinger makes a, a great Oktoberfest. Iinger makes a great everything. Yeah, everything they touch. If you can afford it. um, Yeah, they're pricey. (laughs) Mike Shuck, um, I think probably one of my all-time favorites, though, is that that Sam Adams. They make a delicious October. I've never had Sam Adams on tap, and I've not been impressed with their bottled ship down. It's kind of like if you have seafood. In the in the Pacific Northwest, it's the best seafood you've ever had. But you live in Texas, it's it's a couple days old, and yeah. I feel like Sam Adams is probably amazing up in the New England uh, you know, Northeast is. area. Yeah, I'm a, I got to flex here a little bit because I had it in October in Boston, and it was delicious. Oh. Yeah, I just feel like by the time we get it here and it's bottled <laughs> or canned, it just doesn't it doesn't live up to the rep. But but I believe you, and uh, maybe that should be our post quarantine retreat. You know, next October. Uh, you don't want to go to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> well, proper Brian, what do you have? You have another. Uh, you have another coffee? Do I see? No. Um, so my drink is all is also related to the time of the year. Um, October brings with it allergies for me. Oh yeah. And so I I've just got a I've got a green tea. It's a Twinings green tea. Hey. I thought uh, you were about to pull out the pumpkin spice. No. I would have I would have held the vote right here and now to, to get you kicked off this. Proper Brian, I feel you, man. This morning I thought like after I woke up, I thought beer's out. I'm probably gonna have one of those uh throat coat brews. Yep. Like after I woke up this morning with all the, the crud. I almost but, did uh, that, oh, yeah. but I, yeah. I'd I'd prefer to have this is a, a pomegranate raspberry and strawberry blend. Ooh. 
and yeah. so it sounds very fruity man it's very, it's very good I, I love the 20s tea too man like I, I i'm not a huge tea guy so i feel like someone going like in the beer aisle, i don't know what tea to get but i'm like i've liked every 20s i've had so i just grab them you know uh is it, is it bigelow is another brand i've actually yeah had a bigelow. couple yeah a so I've, I've had um i've had a couple of theirs and so yeah so if i'm gonna reach for tea i'm i'm, I'm not a tea snob and i don't know much about it so i go tried and true uh, i don't figure the english can't get it wrong right uh, so yeah well hey what what as far as games what have, what have you guys been playing uh i got a game of uh viking bowling in tonight what viking bowling so that's always a fun one it's a very dexterity game that i'm terrible at so uh, you throw wood pieces at other wood pieces and try to knock them down and uh it's a good time Hey, dexterity games can be pretty, really fun. I mean, and if it was like, especially if it was like a, a little, you know, small group or something, um, man, I don't know what it is, but in the right setting, dexterity games just like blow up, you know, it's great. Well, and this is one that like covers a big portion of your yard too. So, I mean, it's not, it's not like a table game. It's a, yeah, it's pretty fun. It's a yard game, which is kind yes. of cool. Yeah. Well, how about yourself, proper Brian? Um, still playing lots of games with my kids. We've been playing uh, Downforce. I talked about that last time. Oh, wow. uh, some, yeah. more, some more stuff, Fables. Uh, but we, we also played Pandemic. It was their first time to play Pandemic. Oh, really? And uh, we we died. <laughs> we, all, <laughs> we all died. Um, I think Isn't I that the guys, best first play of a, a, pin, a, a cooperative game like that? That's what it, no, honestly, it is because then it kind of sets the expectation in the right place, right? Yeah. For, for future games. So when you finally do win, it feels good pretty handily that the game sunk us so <laughs> i think i sent you guys a picture of that board oh yeah that was the one okay yeah that was yeah, the, that play. the black disease just exploded across uh, asia and europe so we always call that the zombie plague you know yeah so <laughs> well, well anything anything for you uh just brian uh, i think the game that i'll talk about was the last game of power grid i played with oh Ned. yeah at uh, one of our primetime game nights. And what made this game special was I had a friend that, that showed up pretty early on, and, and, I, and I knew he was coming. He's, he's played a few games with me, real smart kid. And uh, when I saw him walk in and we're kind of first turn in, I said, hey, just come take my spot, because I knew you know it was going to be a while before he jumped in. And so I kind of co-managed, which really, this, this dude, his name's Seth. He, he didn't listen to our podcast, so it's all right. Uh, that I talk about him a little bit. Uh, this guy, he like came with all his guns, ended up winning the game. <laughs> and it, I, I got best CEO of, of the game as, as he basically like played the game out. At one point he said, he said, Hey, um, maybe I got a pen. And he like started making notes on a notebook. That's awesome. <laughs> he's mad. And uh, everybody's, of course, you know, he's new to gaming. He doesn't understand like some of the etiquette. You know, is you, know, you got to do this stuff in your head. But uh, we didn't care because he was having so much fun. And he and Ned basically were head to head. Both of them were talking about the game like two days later. You know, so it was kind of one of those epic games where one small move on turn, you know, four set him ahead and then by turn you know nine or ten ned made a misstep and that's where i mean they 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 had this all figured out they had the replay in their mind so me just kind of a fly on the wall starting the game and then just kind of letting him roll with it was was really fun and just seeing a new gamer flourish and uh, really own it 
And man, he's he's really excited. Now I have to tell him keep the pin and pad at home next time. But for for his first game at Power Grid, he did really well. So it's actually really awesome. Ned, I spoke to Ned the the day after, and Ned was talking about it. Like, yeah, he was talking about it for a couple of days about how how awesome it was, and it was neat to see him. And but Ned tells me at one point he's like, "Yeah, I made a mistake," and then this kid went to his car and got a notebook. <laughs> <laughs> started writing stuff down he was like man i mean this dude was awesome he's like this guy was smart and i was like well i mean uh, he's, I've, an I've analy- and- he's an analyst at a bank and so like that's kind of one of his things is you know he pushes money around and stuff so once like one day this kid's gonna grow up to own something and yeah. we'll probably all work for him yeah he's, he's a smart guy i've, I've, I've met him you've we've, we've gained he's, he's, co- he's a cool kid he's a real cool kid i, I say kid anybody that's under 30 is a kid yeah um he's he's a good guy yeah well, I feel, uh, man, I feel pretty lucky because I be, because of like online gaming, I've been able to play quite a bit more than, than I normally would have, especially uh, with current circumstances. And I've gotten a few in-person plays in. We're still kind of tentative, you know. It's 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 odd, like like with everyone, it's it's odd and trying to trying to figure out what how that works. But I did pick up a copy of uh, Bios Genesis and our friend Jeff, who I, I mentioned last time, and is like a rules expert. He's great at assimilating rules and, and then spitting it back out and helping those of us <laughs> with lower intelligence uh, understand it. When he found out I had it, he goes, well, I've really wanted to play that one. You mind if I borrow that and kind of look at the rules? And I was like, you go ahead. And I felt kind of odd, but the other day he he gave me back my game. He had tricked it out with some things huh. um, and like little stands for some of the cards and stuff. And then uh, taught me my game and gave me a comprehensive uh, rules overview uh, that will now not really reference the real rules uh, very often. Uh, and I need to loan Jeff more of my games. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, that's the kind of thing he just does. He loves learning rules and, and then teaching. And he's and he's very very smart. I mean, like the science part of that game just really spoke to him. And uh, that's a really cool game. We never we haven't got a full play in, but we've got a couple of partial plays. And- tell me tell me about that game. I don't I don't know anything about it. So it's kind of like the the origin of life. So you are picking like single cell organisms and you're trying to like keep them alive long enough. And it's hard because there's events that happen every turn that like just destroy you and like strip away parts of the, the, the organism. And you're basically just trying to keep them alive long enough uh, and, and mutate them enough to, you know, slowly you, you get something a little bit more complex and you get something a little more complex. It takes place over hundreds of millions of years and, uh, supposedly you, you can get to the point where you have a uh, water-based and then ultimately if you ever rarely manage it uh, a land-based um, you know very simple creature like one of the things you can become is like in the water-based uh, aquatic creatures is like some sort of tapeworm I mean I've never in a game been like oh, I want to become a tapeworm but in that game I was like that's the only thing I can become like I, I don't have enough it's hard to explain but you you've got little little disc you're putting on there that are a little dome kind of i don't know what they're i've never seen them in a, this component of the game these cool little domes that you're putting on they, they indicate some control but other people can then be part of like inside other players can be present in your organism and they can buy like mutations for your organism that are beneficial to them and then you can like uh attach as a parasite and and then like hey by the way you're gonna score but so am i and it's it's really cool but it's very like very technical and um and it's by uh, Sierra Madre Games, Iron Games uh, Studio. And, uh, man, they're very, 
the rule books are known for being kind of punishing. And so he and I are going to kind of delve into a few more of those, but yeah, that's, that, that's where we started off. And I, I think you I think you guys might like it. It's just, um, I've got to, I've got to get Jeff to help me teach it. I don't, I'm at this point where I, I grok it, but I don't think I could really explain it to someone else very well. Yeah. It sounded almost like it was a, a evolution simulation. Yeah. It's kind of like an was, evolution in my simulation. mind. Yeah. In my mind, I thought it's almost like those old uh, Digimon uh, keychains <laughs> we used to have, and it took you like six months to feed it. And then it would finally grow into a bigger dot on the screen. And that so was great. Six, six game nights later, you know, six, four yeah. hour game nights later, you're like, I've got yes. a tapeworm. Yeah. Uh, yay. <laughs> I'm a flea. Woo. <laughs> yeah. What was that game called again? It's called Bios Genesis, and it's it's, okay. it's designed by Phil Eklund. It's he's got some cool games. He's got one called Bios Megafauna, and apparently, so it's like the next step. So now you've got land-based organisms, and it's like how do you survive, and you know, and track that evolution there. But also, from what I understand, you can actually do Bios Genesis, and then take the stats of the, your end creature, and like set some. There's some way to kind of semi import them into Bios Megafauna. So you can kind of almost play like a campaign, not a campaign, but a continuation. What I found really interesting about his games is there's always wheels within wheels within wheels. And so there's ways for you to piggyback off other players. Uh, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of interaction. Um, you're competing for things. Like in, in Greenland, which is another Phil Eklund game that he had taught me not too long ago, your tribes in, in like 1100, 1200 Greenland, and you're like competing for very scarce resources. But... There are times you may want to work together. You may want to negotiate and say, yeah, I'll back off. You can hunt here, but I want to, you know, it sounds odd, but you know, let, let us marry, you know, let my son marry your daughter. And now, now our tribes are connected. Right. Um, but you know, there's, it's just kind of an interesting uh, interplay. But yeah. So that, that's, um, that's a game I hope to play more and talk about a little bit more. And then the only other thing is just because tape tabletop simulator. Um, if you don't, if listeners out there don't know, there's some really great games like, I've been playing games like uh, the original Warhammer Quest with with a group. We're going to start getting together once once or twice a month, and then a little lesser known games workshop game called Assassin Arm Execution Force, which is kind of like, uh, oh, what's the um, what's that game by Emerson Matsuchi? Um, Spectre Spectre Ops. It's like Spectre Ops meets Warhammer, and it's pretty pretty honestly pretty awesome. But yeah, that's that's what I've been playing. Well, enough about games we've been playing. Now, let's let's talk about um, our main topic here tonight. And I want to kind of throw this to you, just Brian, because you're the one who kind of posed this question. You, you asked us uh, in in a kind of a group chat a good question. We thought, hey, well, let, let's let's talk about it on the podcast. Uh, so you kind of want to pose your question to us? Sure. Um, so, and I don't know if this will maybe evolve into some kind of series. But it's it's uh, instead of talking so much about mechanics, um, I want to talk about a genre of game, a genre of games. <laughs> I got it. Uh, what's so great about multiplayer solitaire? So multiplayer solitaire is, in my mind, a style of game, a genre of game, where the mechanics c- could be varied or, or could yeah. could entail a series of mechanics. But the, the style of play itself, the design itself is built around kind of a, a solitaire tableau most of the time. I enjoy them less. I think out of our group, uh, I'm in a minority there. And so I would like to know what makes these games exciting for you. Why do you go after them? What, what exactly excites you about them? Yeah. And why should our listeners play them if they haven't done that yet? Um, 
personally, before y'all get going, I, I really just want to say in my plays of games that kind of have this particular feature, I can still enjoy them. Like, it's not that I'm miserable at the table. It's just there's a level to me that where the, the more they fall in the line of a solitaire tableau that we play to, uh, you know, as a group, I find them less fun. And, and some games you threw out, um, just, just so we all kind of listeners are kind of on a, on a common ground. They may kind of have a frame of reference here. You threw out games like uh, Orleans, um, Altiplano, uh, which I guess we're really throwing Reiner Stockhausen under the bus here. And then uh, uh, Wingspan. Yeah, you pointed out Wingspan is a big one. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an incredibly popular game, but when you break it down, there's really not much player interaction, right? I don't feel there is. Now, there is, in all these games that are mentioned, there is some player interaction. So we're not, I'm not denying that there's some kind of place where a decision affects another decision. You're saying these are more solo than multiplayer. Yes, very much. you, You have your tableau. But you, your actions don't have a consequence to another player, or at least the reason why you take an action has less to do with other player interaction. There's not a shared space, but these seem to be very popular. So uh, another another very popular one would be Splendor, I think. Oh, I, there's there's a few more I'm kind of holding in my pocket, so I can <laughs> say booyah a little later. I think you said when we were kind of chatting about this that the player interaction is incidental, meaning a tableau of cards out there that you have to interact with. And it's not that I'm choosing to do this to interact with you. I just have to interact with this tableau of cards that you have happened to have interact with also. Is that right? Yeah. And that's, that's kind of wingspans, particularly to wingspan. Speaking of that, the most of your interaction might be a little drafting, whether it be dice or cards. Even if I get a bonus off of some action you take, that's not really player interaction to me at this point because that card is incidental. You've given us some examples of games you think uh, are more on the multiplayer solitaire side. Can you give us some examples of some games that you think are not? Oh, yeah, of course. Games I love. Yeah, sure. Um, I can talk about those all day. I mean, just give us a couple just so we have kind of a frame of reference, right? <laughs> okay, so shared space. Um, we can go back to Takenoko. Takenoko has a lot of shared space. It does have a little card in front of you that acts like an action selector. Um, some may call that a tableau, but uh, the game is played in the shared space. Your points themselves are not. Your points are, again, another kind of private thing that people can't take from you, but that shared space has consequence on whether or not you score those points. Concordia would be another example. You take cities. They become more expensive for other players. You, there's definitely a, a spatial aspect to it. Even though you have a resource management and you have your own cards, which that deck of cards becomes your tableau in a lot of ways. Uh, I'll even say, I'll, I'll throw out a game that I love very much, but it has it, it focuses so much on your tableau that I feel like it's it's somewhat of a disappointment, and it's Zaya. And when Zaya is fun, it's fun because we play this game together in the shared space, and we have this fun narrative. And where it's fallen for me, that the the plays where it's really suffered, are plays where we focus on our tableau, where yeah. it's all about your little ship space in front of you, and not enough about the board out in front. And that and it depends game to game that could change. And I have more fun the days where it's about 
us shooting each other or stealing some resources or whatever happens with the NPCs, then I do the games where we just run a quick trade run and whoever manages their ship the best wins. Okay. I mean, that, that gives us a little bit of frame of reference. I, I mean, I still I, – I get what you're saying about like, like the player interaction being incidental. So let's just take it for Orleans. You know, there there is competition for for goods, and you're getting the uh, the citizen tiles. Um, and so you do have to be aware of what the other, other players are doing. You cannot just completely play in your own headspace there. So I do think that one is – while it is very much like, um, you know, kind of a solitaire puzzle, and in many aspects, I think a player who who ignores the rest of the players at the table just so at their own detriment. So I I don't know. I think that one doesn't isn't quite as pure a, a multiplayer solitaire as as you might be, uh, you know, suggesting it is. So so one thing I saw when I was looking into this, trying to figure out games that I thought may or may not be two particular mechanisms kind of stood out to me and that was worker placement seems to be one of those uh, where you're 10, you tend to go to a certain spot because you want to go there, not necessarily because you're trying to block somebody uh, though it does happen. It's just a little rarer that that does happen. So you're, it's, and you don't necessarily have a tableau. Usually it's kind of a, a resource management type system, but still I kind of felt like a lot of times it is, somewhat solitaire and and as much as i love games like lords of Waterdeep, um without the very little take that that's in that game there's not much you're doing with anybody else yeah there really isn't i mean that's uh, still that's still an excellent game so and, and i and i enjoy it like i don't even without the take that like sometimes the take that is not as enjoyable but i i don't know what it, i think maybe it's the gathering of the resources to do what i need to do type thing uh, but the other one I was going to talk about, the, the other mechanism I saw was uh, drafting games, which can be a little bit more on the I'm taking this because I know you're going for this combo than probably worker placement is. But it still, to me, seems kind of like those can end up being kind of solitaire once you like you start focusing heavily on the combos that you want. And it's like, well, I could take this, but it doesn't really benefit me as much just to block somebody. So I. I don't know. Those two I just saw. I didn't know if y'all noticed any particular mechanisms that kind of fell in this genre. I'll say, I'll say that Waterdeep and, and games like that design around that shared space. So um, if you'll notice in Waterdeep, there's two resources that are more prevalent than the other two, two are rare. And so it, that take that... Which, which in a way is another kind of draft, right? The way Waterdeep's played, you kind of draft the space. And and in that regard, drafting is very fun. It's very interactive. It's very much a, I'm getting this, you can't. And you are paying attention to other people's plays and you are robbing them of moves. That is, it's a different kind of uh, shared space, but it's still a shared space. And, and even though your tableau might be a hand of cards, or even hidden information, the fact that we can share that, the fact that I can, I can interact with you on some level, and there's a decision there that involves other people, at least provides more interesting decisions, as opposed to how well, how much better do I manage my space than you manage your space? That's kind of the difference to me. And if it's about who who manages the puzzle better. 
uh, it becomes more of a race in a way, not the kind of game I enjoy, you know? Okay. Well, and this does have some interaction, but explain to me, you know, for you, like, where do you place Great Western Trail on that spectrum? There's not a lot of player interaction. Yeah, you, you create buildings that other players might have to pay you at, but that's not really interacting very much. And then other than that, I'm basically you came at me. I'm came. Yeah, I'm good. You know, I, mean, I want to know because I, I know you love that game. I want to see where that. I do love that game because really, to me, that game, most of the game, I'm actually playing by myself. Like I'm, I'm collecting my my yeah. my cows. And then I'm on my little journey, and yeah, you affect it a little bit, but it's more incidental. I'd say it's, it's less incidental than, say, Orleans or maybe Octoplano that you're throwing out, um, or even Wingspan. But it's not really a very highly interactive game. I don't find myself planning my moves very much because of what you've done, other than occasionally rerouting. But most of the time in that game, I don't really care about paying you for what, what I need to pay you. That, that actually makes a lot of sense because I don't like hey, the you fact show up, that Sean. I can't. He's talking to me right now. <laughs> I think you I don't like the fact no, that you Sean. can't share. It. Well, anyway, yeah, no, no, y'all know keep... I don't like it that much. Yeah, yeah. Sean, no, no. I want you to hear what you have to say. Here. No, I'm, okay. just, I'm just seeing Sean. Go ahead. Go okay, ahead. I'm, I'm just, I'm just linking the two in my mind uh, since it is kind of a worker placement. But you're, you're right. It doesn't have that inherent blocking of the worker placement mechanism where because when you put your little tile down, that's yours. Like nobody can use it. And that's the thing I don't like about Great Western Trail is that I can't use somebody else's tile. Yeah, I, I skip over your tile, or you can throw some uh, uh, obstacles in my way, right? I want to say you, you can throw, you can move some things around to affect my path, but it's minimal. Like I pay a few coins here or there. If I can't pay, then oh, it's okay. I always thought that was weird about the game. If you can't pay, just don't pay. I mean, what that? Just take all the all the repercussions out. You know, that's how life works, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. That's that's how. Yeah couldn't pay for that, that hamburger and fries but bring it to me anyways um so no i um i mean i, I don't get me wrong i really like that game but i just that that aspect of it is always kind no of no I, I agree you're calling for cons- consistency in the opinion um because because everybody knows i love great western trail and well, there's so nothing no, wrong that's, with liking that's one a, game and not you know no that's a great no that's a great that's a great question i think um i think great western trail in my mind uh, may have a little bit more nostalgia anything else it was kind of the first euro game that that broached the the genre for me right for for other types of euro games um and it kind of led me into other things and so it kind of has a soft part of my my heart that that may be more about that than the actual gameplay itself but when i do play it i do enjoy it i can't i can't deny that yeah and so you you might got me there i mean you may have me kind of in a place where i can't completely defend this I i didn't even think about it i didn't prepare for that question so I'm a little, I'm a little taken aback. You put me on my back foot there. Uh, so, but that's fine. I, that's what I wanted, right? Because, because my question was, what's so much fun about this? And you told me, well, you like one of those. What's so much fun about that? Yeah. Um, so, so I guess, uh, I guess ultimately, though, you know, we got like a, we got popular games, and I've, and I've been at the table enjoying myself playing games, but not, not seeing why it's it moves past that play it to this buy it level to this i've, I've got to have this or yeah um and and here's here's things that here's things i know right um proper brian you talked about how much lacy your wife really loves wingspan and i wonder how much of the non-confrontational game aspect really speaks to people who are not competitive game players and that may be one reason why these 
kind of multiplayer solitaire games are popular or why they're so much fun to play. So that that's going to be one of the points I was going to bring up is that those games appeal to more of a casual audience. And so if I want to play games with my wife, she enjoys games like Wingspan. She enjoys Azul, which has a little bit of player interaction, but not a lot. Dominion. Uh, she loves Dominion. If I'm wanting to introduce games to someone who is more of a, on the casual side, it's not necessarily going to be like jumping in deep uh, into games. I mean, if it's someone who's going to be like, oh, I, I really want to play board games. I've wanted to try this for a long time and just haven't gotten to what do I do? You know, then you, you know, throw them in something a little deeper. But if it's just people that are getting together and want a casual experience, then Wingspan's great because I think one of the things that threw my wife off about board games to begin with was playing stuff like uh, Power Grid games like that where you can get in other people's business and yeah. she was like i don't even understand what i'm doing why are you messing with me you know and it's yeah. not even intentional in that game you have to like you have to mess with people in power grid and so uh she enjoys games that i get to manage my thing you can't mess with my thing and i get to see what happens with my thing so if i want to play games with her or people that are more on the casual side, yeah. th these are perfect games to go to. So I, I was curious because y'all play uh, Dominion a lot. Would you consider that kind of a solitaire game? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. If, there's not, if there's not any, even when you have some of the cards that interact with each other, it's not that interactive. And uh, that's not why you build your deck. Right. You build your deck for your, for your, yeah kind of your play and not necessarily to mess with yeah, the other guy you're building your deck yeah. to generate points or gold or whatnot and honestly the people i'm playing with that game with they don't want you messing with them and so normally when we start <laughs> we we build the the kingdom card tableau out there without much interaction you know that's but that's cool that you can do that i, I was hmm. thinking about games like um well like for example take Take Carcassonne. You know, when, when I play, and it's been a while since I've played with, with my wife, but you can play uh, Carcassonne fairly aggressively, right? Trying to take over the people's cities, get really aggressive with the farmers. She doesn't like that. She wants, we when we play, we have a blast, but it's we play games like that. We have a good time. There's a little interaction. Someone will take a city here or there, but it's not a very, very aggressive game. Now, I throw that down in our group. We're probably, you know, tr running all over each other, right? And, and, and we would enjoy it. So Carcassonne, I think, kind of sits on that. It can be played both ways. Uh, but I, I do I do see what you're saying, like, Brian Casey. Like, that's one reason why many, many people like these kind of games. I will say there are times where I just want a challenge. I just want a puzzle that just, just kind of brand, like bends my brain. Like, I, I want to try to figure it out. And I want to watch other people try to figure it out. And it's okay if we don't interact a whole lot. Over time, I've gotten let. I've enjoyed those less so than I used to. Um, I do kind of crave the interaction, but I think every once in a while, it's fine. It's fine to have one of those games. Or if the interaction for me is is, and I'm trying to think of a good example. I'll probably come up with one here in a moment, but um, where, where there's not a whole lot, but there are key points of interaction. I think. Uh, I think terraforming Mars might be. Yeah. One that kind of does that, where you have uh, a key point interaction on a shared space, but for the most of the game, it's about a. A, a tableau build and, and a resource management build. Yeah. That's how I feel about Deus. I mean, the 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 board acts as 
I, I don't know what you call it, like some sort of the board is a lot more central and deus, man. I got to disagree. It's, it's so much more central and it's so much more pivotal in deus. Uh, I know terraforming Mars has a shared space, yeah. but it, but your tableau is where it's at. It's, I don't know. I feel the same about both. This, this is all about my tableau. I the, beat you in deus. Yeah. I know how to play ba- deus once. <laughs> once. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I feel like I feel like Deus is all in the tableau. Like that's where the majority of the game is. There's a little bit of board interaction that's kind of a mediator between. We we have to agree to disagree. I <laughs> let me ask you this, both of you guys, can you win the game based solely on your board interaction? No, no, not at all. Yeah, I mean the board interaction is powered by your personal tableau, right? By, right, right. By your multiplayer, by your solo. But play. it's it's not a solitaire thing. Your first two plays a day is it's gonna feel like multiplayer solitaire. Once you learn those cards, once you really get into it, it's gonna feel more like I'm more into what Sean is doing and what cards he has, and I know what those cards are. I, I'm kind of with you. Like games that are just purely solitaire are usually not very highly ranked on my gaming list. Um, I, I think where what I'm looking for usually is something that melds the two a little bit where you it, it, it still feels fairly solitaire to me, but there is some sort of like mild interaction and whether or not you think Deus is, you know, a lot or a little on the board itself. Th- those are the kind of games that I kind of look for. Like one thing I was when I was looking at games to buy versus uh, I had Dominion for a little while. I ended up getting rid of it, but I got uh Vikings Gone Wild instead because there's more player interaction. You're actually like attacking other people to get points and things. Um, you're not really affecting what they do, which is nice for deck building because that could really not be fun. Yeah. But I, I just, I like that game better because there's just a hint more of something that's going on between everybody than just playing by yourself. So I, I get where you're coming from. I think of games like uh, Suburbia. So technically I'm making my own um, bird, you know, I'm 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 creating my own little. I uh, always always my mind. It's always called Garytopia, right? And um, you know, versus Sharktopia over there, or, you know, Sharkbird, and you know, I. <laughs> but there is interaction. I mean, in that game, it's it is more multiplayer solitaire. But man, I will tell you what, I enjoy the puzzle. I enjoy putting that puzzle together, and we are interacting in the market. My choices in the market affect you. Now. Do I make the choices I make because of you? After you played a few times, you start to, I think. Um, and also, I look at what you have in your your tableau, and I'm like, well, if I build an airport here, I, I benefit off your airport, right? So there is some of that, but I, I can't really say, you know, come out and honestly, with straight face, say there's a whole lot of player interaction. There's a game I love. And, you know, it is, it's probably skewed a lot more towards that mul- uh, multiplayer solitaire, but for whatever reason, it's got, it's got the secret sauce, you know, um, I just, I love the, I love the puzzle of that game. Gary, I think you've hit the nail on the head and it's the same thing with great Western trail for just Brian. It's as long as the puzzle is good enough to yeah. keep you engaged and it's a puzzle you want to do and like to do. And it, it scratches your brain the right way. Then it can be yeah. a fun experience in that multiplayer solitaire setting those other games. So I feel like we're talking about two different, areas of games here it's like the the deeper puzzlier uh multiplayer solitaire games or kind of the lighter multiplayer solitaire games that are appeal to a more casual audience right so i was thinking about um i mean the, so another reason that i 
find that. So here I am going to say this. I'm with Shuck. These games usually don't fall real, real high on my list of top games. It's not that I'm searching out these games, but they're very useful games. Like they fit a, a really good spot in my collection because if I want to play games with people who want a casual experience, then these games fit it. If I want a casual gaming night, I don't want to think too hard. Dominion's a perfect game to get out to do that with. Yeah. Uh, or or Wingspan or Azul, something like that. Um, so that's the second point I want to make is if you want a casual night, these are uh, good games for that. Yeah. I think the audience is important. I mean, look at Ticket to Ride. I mean, how many you know, just umpteen million copies it sold, right? And there, I mean, yes, you can technically play a little aggressive, but I mean, I'm not going to play, I'm not going to cut off an eight-year-old. Let's just be honest, right? I mean, I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll cut off a 38-year-old, but, you know, that game generally from its, in its design does not have much room for uh, uh, aggressive play. Um, I mean, you could, I'm sure someone will argue and make it a good valid argument, but it's a good casual game. I don't think any of us would deny that, it's a good design, right? Um, maybe not our, our top top games, but it's it's one that we'll probably all we'd all take and play on the show, take off the shelf and play in the right setting, right, with the right people. So I think you, you make a good point. You know, you got to look at, at who your who your audience is and and what what everyone wants out of that game night, and that kind of goes back to things we've talked about a lot lately, um, from like even like being like a board game concierge and um, you know how to fix a game night, right? We just you know you've got to. And I'll reference proper Brian's law of expectation like I always want to every episode. But, you know, you go in with the expectations. Like, what, is, what does that group expect? Do they expect something where we're going to be yelling and screaming and, and slamming the table because, you know, you just cut me off? Or do we want someone we're all just going to have a beer and talk about our week, right? Um, I think there's – and there's probably room for both of those. But I, I agree. Like, I know you, um, you, you, you tend towards those conflict and, and – and, you know, putting yourself against that other player kind of game, uh, just Brian. So I'm not surprised that these kind of don't hit high for you. But at the same time, there's Great Western Trail. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is like the the third best game of all time. So uh, <laughs> apparently, apparently, it's okay to to admit that you like these things. It's all right, you know. My name is Brian. I like multiplayer solitaire and. Um, it's okay. Now I know for me, like if I'm sitting down with you guys, I want a game that hits harder, right? Or that's more interactive. I want that. I want that experience with y'all. I, I'm probably not going to choose to say, "Hey, let's get Wingspan out and play that with y'all." Um, I want something like Shogun, or I think that's it. You know, like when talking about bringing other people into the hobby it's it's never about what i want it's usually about what is that person going to want to do and if i don't know them it's always it's always safer to go low conflict and um and these these solitaire games kind of apply that in almost a hidden way in a way that that your your guests don't know that they are really playing their own game and not really competing against you it's almost deceptive right so in that way it's kind of fun but as a person who knows better and gets around you guys it, it's just that just like what you said if we're going to spend three hours playing a game i, I really want to spend three hours you know wits to wits yeah. and not just three hours who can solve the best puzzle if i'm going to spend three hours getting outsmarted by you guys and all my plans um turn to dust 
I definitely want to at least uh, have a few mechanisms in there for where I can kind of twist the knife every so often. So, right? right, exactly. So I have a question on, on mine. I'm curious. It's a game that's very high on my list, and it does take very like quite a long time to play um, and is pretty pretty meaty. It is the epitome of multiplayer solitaire. Uh, colonists, I think, kind of fits that genre. There is very little interaction on the board itself. I love you, Shuck, but I got to it's multiplayer solitaire defined. But it's got a puzzle that's like just really fun. And I, I think you and I really like the puzzle. So, so this is, like this is where I was. I feel like sometimes this is where this whole thing is directed at, Brian, because I know you didn't care i'm not attacking you directly i don't think about call i don't sit here all night thinking when about you, colonists and how much when I you brought it. this up i i, I don't <laughs> it wasn't no, 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 okay when you brought this up though that was where my thought was because i remember after our play of it you were not very excited yeah i wasn't i'm sorry but you're still like one of my best friends on the planet. I just, it just, it just, it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't hit me. And it's for that reason. It's because I, again, and, and you want to talk about a game that is fantastically designed. It's, it's a wonderful simulation and it is, I would never imagine being able to uh, put together and design a game that simulates colonizing in this way. But it's about as much fun as going to work and doing a job because it's that much, it's that hard. I mean, it's hard to do and it's, and it's, you do it well and you should get all the points, Yeah. but it's, it's a job. And, and uh, Oh my gosh. It's well, a lot of work, I, Chuck. I want to play it again though. I'll play it again with you. I just want to go into like, I walk in, it's set up. I'm ready to play. I throw in a couple hours. I'm good with multiplayer solitaire colonists, but yeah, it hurt a little bit. Oh man, tell us how you really feel. I, get- I hope we can still be friends. Yeah. <laughs> that's one that's divisive because Shuck and I have talked about this one before. I I like the puzzle of that one. Like that one makes my brain hurt a little bit, but in all the good ways, right? Where I'm like, how do I figure this puzzle out? And I see someone else, I see other players figuring it out better, or maybe I think, hey, I'm I'm doing better, but you know, it's there's not, and we are interacting very, very lightly. But yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a darn good puzzle. My my point being, this is Colonist is not one that we're talking about games that we like to bring out with those that are not you know as in as deep into the hobby. Colonist is not one that you would do that with, but it it fits yeah. this same conversation. So it doesn't always end up being the lighter, you know, less combative games sometimes the yeah. heavy euros can be very solitaire there's a good point to make is that sometimes you want you, you don't want to get to ride right but you want something that's gonna like chuck saying that's it's heavy and meaty but i'm not gonna build up something and in two hours in you you topple it over right i mean essentially right chuck like uh, you're gonna affect me but i'm not and i think that's the probably the appeal for that game is that i get to build up something cool at the end of it we're going to compare to see who built the best thing, but at no point can someone come along and just thump my tower over. Right. And now I'm, now I'm screwed. Um, there are games where I, I like that, but I think I, I do like Chuck, I do value having games like the colonist where maybe that's what we want to do that day. Right. It's just build something cool and do it together. Right. So I, I, 
I think there's definitely a room, and I think he makes a really good. You make a really good point. Like there are heavier games on that spectrum. As a board gamer, I'll, I'll always play other people's games, even colonists. I think that's a good, a good, good place to stop. And I and I'll smile the whole time. He's hedging now. Yeah, he's he's hedging now. <laughs> hey, I, yeah, I, I smiled through a four-hour game of um, Arkham. Don't Horror don't say time. it. Don't yeah, say it. That was that was brutal. We were smiling because we we looked at each other and we're like, <laughs> "How do this, we get out of here?" Yeah, this hurts me as much as it hurts you. <laughs> at least I'm miserable with someone. You weren't alone. You weren't alone. Yeah. We were together. It's, camaraderie. It's a, it's yeah. okay, Brian. I'll smile through a game of Great Western Trail for you. Oh, really? really? <laughs> I tell you what, you so, hey, hey, you don't even have to play Great Western Trail with me. If you'll just come over for a 30 minute game of asking for troubles with my kids, I'll do it. It's all right. All right. Let's, all right. Let's, let's go. You are all such right. a good I will, I will smile as I grit my teeth. Yes. With that, with that promise made, I, I think we'll go ahead and bring it to a close here, guys. Thanks again for getting together to talk about some games. I actually think it was a really good topic. And um, if, if you're listening and you have some other ideas, other other genres of games or styles Jean, of games, yeah, genre or, games, or Jean Claude Van Damme's of games that you would <laughs> you would like to um, suggest, throw out and say, hey, you know, what make like I don't get it. You know, I don't I don't get why war games are fun, or I don't get why deck building games are fun. Uh, just shoot us an email, plugmeeple at gmail.com. Until next time. Uh, Later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> We're out. Thanks for listening to the Bub Meeple Podcast. If you enjoyed our content, like and subscribe. Share with your friends. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter at pubmeeple.com. Our website, www.bubmeeple.com. Home to the board game ranking engine. And always remember... Support your local breweries. I'd I'd rather Jean Luc Picard. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. We're we're gonna Jean Luc Picard. It's it's Jean, not genre. Jean, (laughs) Jean of games. Well, Jean Luc Picard of games. Props to my Canadian peeps. You know what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm not from Canada.